And hello, everybody. It's Tom Chenault. It's Adrian Chenault, and it is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show. And I'm moving around a little bit because I was making a list. And the list is a pretty cool list. What's the list, Adrian? Were you, were you checking it twice? No, I was doing it. <laughs> you know, I got a call from John Melton this morning, and he was talking. You know, I don't know if you guys know him, but he is the king of ATM, at Tag Message. And he's doing a free event this Saturday that is going to be unbelievable. And I like the word free for you. And I got to thinking about the people that I know that are really rock stars. People like Jordan Adler, who is really a good friend of Jared Yellen, who is our guest today. And Eric Warre is getting ready to do GoPro on December 2nd, which is really, really cool. Richard Blissbrook does all this crazy training just everywhere we go. That's exciting. Sean Murphy just got done with his huge retreat. Those pictures were cool. Yeah, and he's Goodness. just bought this big house on the lake right above uh, Lisa Grossman and Curtis Brooms. Big, big pavilion. You know, they've got like houses and all kinds of stuff on that lake in Arkansas. And I just am so proud of everybody doing all this really strong generic training. You look at Rob Sperry and you look at Brian uh, Fryer and you look at these guys that are all just ripping the cover off the ball. Ray Higdon, I was watching him this morning with Jenna Swagel talk about the rank makers. And then you're standing in a place going, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> How many events can I go to? And I'm going to tell you all of them. And then you're going to say to yourself, what goods are going to do me? And you have to think about where you are in your, in your business that you want to get a whole lot smarter because these people are smart. And you go, they're going to train you on the mechanics and network marketing. And Adrian and I could not, we can't compete with that. We know it, don't we? We do. We know <laughs> it for a fact. So how do we compete? We compete on the front end of that. We are not anywhere near the head knowledge and the mechanical stuff all those guys are. We are experts in relationships. We are, we are experts in remember and rotation and remember. We're experts in treating people like human beings before prospects. And we're experts in teaching you how to get ready to learn from all those rock stars. So the names that I mentioned, the Eric Warries, the Richard Brooks, the uh, Jordan Adlers, the Sean Murphys, the John Meltons, I want the Lisa Grossmans, the Curtis Brooms, the Sean Murphys. You heard their name. They're in your phone. And I want you to text them a note right now and just say, Tom Chanel just plugged you on his show. Because I want them to plug Adrian's contact mapping convention <laughs> till their faces fall off. And I got to thinking about that a little bit. I have this show. They've all been on it. And look at poor Jared's. His arms crossed. He's going, is this guy ever going to shut up? And at the end of the day, no, you're good, John. Jared, Jared, I'm almost done. At the end of the day, repro, what has the word? What's the word? Reciprocal? Yeah, but then reciprocity. Reciprocity. Re say it again. Reciprocity. See, I don't even know the words. This is my first rodeo, but it's so important. And that basically is I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And so I think about that all the time. And I'll never forget about a month ago, I was talking to J.W. Wilson about Robert Kiyosaki completely going dark on me because I wanted him on the show. And, and here's what came out of J.W.'s mouth. He said, oh, no, Kiyosaki called me. He said, what does Tom Chenault want? I'm going like, I want anything. And then he says, well, yeah. And I said, well, I want him on my show. And he said, well, Kiyosaki asked what he, what he's going to get. And I thought about that a little bit because that's all we all think about is what we're going to get. 
And so I hope that Jared Yellen, this I'm going here for a reason, because this is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show. And why on earth would we have a guy who is teaching people how to do 10,000 startups? How, how could that possibly fit into what we're doing? It's because nice guys friends first. And I've known Jared Yellen for so long when I literally buried his company in a database that was so much bigger than it should be and so polluted and goofed up. It took him about two months to ungum it so he could go do business forward. So I owed him this for so long because this whole world is about doing the next right thing. And I think what Jared's doing with this company that he's building with some incredible people. You're not going to believe the affiliations this guy has got. And all of a sudden, you're going to understand that your database is worth so much to you if you keep the value in it by never forgetting anybody, right? I I completely agree. How's that for an intro? It's a beautiful intro. And I think we got to get to this guest, but I completely agree. And the who we're about to introduce you to, I think is really embodying it. And he's embodying it because he has set a huge vision and that vision, there's no way on earth it could possibly happen on the back of any one person or visionary. It is going to take an incredible coordination of efforts and networks and just you're not even going to believe what he's going to describe in a minute. And the only way that's possible is through the power of connection. And what I love the most about Jared is that he understands that that is the core operating system of what they're doing. It is all about tapping into these huge concentric circles of relationship to get done this huge vision. So Jared Yellen, founder of Project 10K, welcome to Legacy Leadership. How are you, man? Great app being here. I appreciate you both. I love what you stand for. I love how much you recognize how critical relationship capital is. It's an even playing field for everybody out there. Those that think they need big budgets to win, you don't. You just need to work the relationships you have the right way because you're one relationship away from having everything you want more in your life. So ask me anything. I want to be of service to your wonderful community, and I'm just honored to be here, and I very much appreciate our friendship and business partnership as well. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you got kicked out of third grade <laughs> for selling newspapers when you weren't supposed to do it, was that what started your entrepreneurial career? Yeah, in so many ways, because I remember getting called to the principal's office and <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm selling newspapers in the bathroom. They're like, that's not what you're supposed to do in the bathroom. I'm like, what are you supposed to do? And I remember thinking to myself, I went home and uh, my parents weren't mad at me. They actually like smirked and they're like, we know you're going to be fine. And I didn't know what they meant by that then. But then it started to get realer for me because when I was in sixth grade, I was in this program called Galaxy for Advanced Learning. It was for really creative, innovative kids. And uh, and in this, this curriculum, it was really not creative or innovative. And I ran a petition to try to change the curriculum because every single day we did the exact same thing, which is not creative nor innovative. And we did the same exact program called Amazing Animation every single day. So I asked the teacher, I said, hey, do you think we can change the curriculum up? Because the whole purpose of this is to be creative and innovative. And this doesn't feel creative or, nor innovative. And she said, no, we're not changing the curriculum. I'm like, all right, I'll talk to the principal. Went to the principal the next day, asked them to change the curriculum. They said, no. I said, okay, I'm going to rally the entire program, rally the entire program. They literally signed a petition to change the curriculum and they didn't take me seriously. So I said, okay, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And at lunch that day, everybody's outside on the playground. And I went into the library, which is where we met. 
I took amazing animation and dragged it from every computer into the trash and emptied the trash. And I got in quite a bit of trouble for that, but I had to disrupt the actual status quo because to me, and for all of you out there that are watching, the status quo is meant to be disrupted by you. You shouldn't accept the status quo as what is, but instead find ways to make things more efficient or exciting. And as a byproduct of that, you can win big. So I got punished by the principal, not by my parents and my whole life. That's been like the theme of my existence is I disrupt the norm, not to just disrupt it, but to make it better for everybody around me. So let me ask you two more questions. So you've, you've written a lot of copy over the years, and it's really been your secret weapon, and you've made millions of dollars doing that, correct? Yeah. Millions. Is that correct? Other people, and I made other people tens of millions. Of and other people tens of millions. Yeah, yeah. But what I don't think people understand is why you decided to do that. And it was because you were in middle school or high school, and one of your teachers told you that you were a terrible writer. Yeah. And you said, heck with that. And that's what you became which is an unbelievable writer. And what's so cool about that is you took that inspiration of somebody that told you you sucked and turned into a veritable expert and multimillionaire from that, right? Yeah, her name was Ms. Hade. So no coincidence, <laughs> Ms. Hade. And uh, it was my sophomore honors English class. And I wasn't a student, right? Like sitting in a classroom wasn't for me, but I was really smart. So they put me in that program. And uh, in one week, she accused me of smoking pot, which I was an incredible athlete, wildly disciplined, and never touched marijuana once in my life. Um, but the reason she accused me is I have terrible allergies during a certain time of the year. So I get a little drowsy in class, and she's just boring. So a combination of them both put me to sleep one day. So as a byproduct, accused me of pot, had to get drug tested, missed my, my – I was on varsity as a sophomore – my baseball game, and then obviously came back negative. And then at the end of that week, because she wasn't able to give me that uppercut, she accused me of plagiarism, which is a huge offense when you're in high school. So it led to this whole investigation into me as, as, a, as a plagiarizer. And uh, they brought my parents in, the head of the department in, Ms. Haid was in, the guidance counselor was in, and we're sitting in this room. And my dad said, let me just cut to the chase. Why did you accuse my son of plagiarizing? And she said, because the work was too good to be his own. He's a horrible writer. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, there's one of two things I can do. There's only two extremes always in life. There is no gray in life. And one extreme is to believe her. And the other extreme is to stomp on her. And I'm like, I'm going to stomp on her. Because who is she to say I'm not a good writer? The same way that whoever's watching this right now, somebody said something to you. And you either chose to believe it or not. If you chose to believe it, it held you back. And if you didn't choose to believe it, use that as your greatest catalyst. So for me... I'm like, that's my catalyst. I know a magical writer. I did write this and I'm now going to show her who's boss. And I, I've made millions of dollars writing marketing content and I've made tens of millions of dollars for other people. And the most she ever accomplished was being a nasty sophomore high school English teacher. So let me ask you, can I ask the third question? Please. How does Tom Chanel know this? <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> telling me this? Yeah, that's actually wild to me. I'm like, where could he have found this? Like, that's the thing that's so interesting. I'm like, afraid about it like once. I'm like, there's no way you like uncovered that. That's what I'm telling all of you people. Contact mapping is all about is remembering the unrememberable and coming back and using it as your secret weapon. So <laughs> I, I set that whole thing up. He's yeah, read as a piece. The, the comments on your database. I'm like, that's so wild that you remember that. But thank you. Thank you. Up. Thank you. All right. So that now, is so good. That, what a story. That was awesome. story. 
<laughs> Unbelievable, great radio content. This is tremendous radio content. These people fell in love with you just now, like from the bottom of their heart, because you're so real. There, there's a, there's an even better story on the other side of this break that we're going to have to get into from his Indiana University days. Oh, yeah. So by the time this is all said and done, we are all going to be Team Jared. We're all going to be part of Project 10K. And big, big things are going to be happening. So you are listening to the Legacy Leadership Show. You've got Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault. This is our buddy, Jared Yellen, who He's is just a rock star. Driven. During the break, you got to go check out project10k.com. Learn about what these guys are doing. We're going to unpack so much more. And we, I promise, are going to not play by any rules because it's two rule breakers against one rule follower. I'm definitely outnumbered. Think so. Shark Tank. Think Shark Tank. <laughs> All right. Legacy Leadership, Genesis Communication Network. Stick around. We'll be back right after the break. Who are Cody Newton's watching this thing? I love that guy. Holy mackerel. All right, we got two straight lace guys here. That's good. Thank you, Cody. Oh, yeah, he's straight lace. (laughs) Heather Hager, I love you. There's my beautiful wife, Christina. Love you. Unbelievable. Carl Devere. What a man. Jay Napier, you're my idol, buddy. Nobody like you. But we got to come back to the show right now. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Got to take a quick two-second break right now. And we're back. It's the Legacy Leadership Radio Show. And I say radio. Adrian doesn't say radio because he's such a kid. Nobody listens to the radio radio? anymore. Yeah, he always says what's radio. (laughs) But I know we're on 550 radio stations all over the world. I know the power of AM radio. I know the power of podcasts. And we are on the right track being on every one of those platforms. Jared Yellen is a rock star. I came out of the securities business. I came out of the very, very small cap security business. And when I heard, here's how this all went down. I see Jared around and, you know, that's no big deal. And I see Jordan Adler around. That's no big deal. But what people don't know, one of the fond spots in my heart is Babson College in Boston, Massachusetts. Everybody talks about Harvard. They talk about MIT. Somebody tells me they went to school at Babson. I'm telling you, I'm there. I'm paying attention because some of the most successful, smart, good people I know graduated from Babson. It's the top entrepreneurial school on the planet, and it's the best kept secret out there. And here is Jared Yellen and Jordan Adler on a screen with the Babson Entrepreneurial School in the background. I'm going, holy mackerel, what could these guys possibly have to do with something of that esteem? And when I started realizing what it was, it blew my mind. So start there, Jared. Yeah, so we, um, I, I had a shower idea. Um, I encourage everybody to execute on their shower ideas quickly. I know that you did as well, uh, Adrian. So I had a shower idea. And the shower idea was, what if I host a two-day immersive experience with track record entrepreneurs who have more ideas today than ever before, but less ability to execute because they don't have the bandwidth slash it's too much opportunity cost. And what if it was a two day experience where they bring their best ideas that they're not gonna execute on and we commit to co-founding X number of companies together 
in 48 hours. So I share that with one person on my team who is the best executor that exists. You guys know her because you've been working with her. Her name is Tiffany. And she's like, let's do it. I'm like, let's do it. So literally in 30 days, we went from a shower idea to maybe the most magical event I know I've ever been to. And everybody else had the same thing as well. So what we did was we invited 16 track record entrepreneurs that are doing high seven, predominantly eight, or even nine figures in their business, or they've exited already. They have more ideas than ever before, but less ability to execute on those ideas. And their commitment to this two-day experience was to bring their three best SaaS ideas, software as a service, just like contact mapping. So they bring their three best SaaS ideas that are really thought through. They know there's a market for it, but they're not going to execute on it. We flew our whole leadership team in, and we also invited about 20 guests, all of which are advisors or investors in Project 10K. Jordan Adler is one of those investors. So we come together, there's 48 ideas, and we have 48 hours. So here's what we do. We whittle them down to the 16 most meaningful ideas that we believe have the most unfair advantages to win big. We then broke off everybody into teams. There was four total teams. We gave each team four ideas to really dig into and create what we call a lean product board which is an opportunity to dig into market research, key features, what's going to be the next unique selling proposition, unfair advantages, business model, et cetera, et cetera. The final three hours of the second day, each team presented their four ideas. and Everybody in the room had a chance to vote on which ideas are going to go inside of a tech portfolio that we all co-found. We ended up co-founding 13 companies in 48 hours. And these are really thoughtful ideas. A lot of energy is put into these ideas. We partnered with Babson College, number one entrepreneurship college for 26 years. And we actually hosted this experience on their graduate campus in Brickell in Miami. What they're doing today, actually, is they are going out to their students and they're inviting their students to apply to become Project 10K entrepreneurs in residences. We're going to have at least 100 students apply. We'll pick the right 13 to sit in the seat of operator for each of these 13 companies. They're going to get fractional mentorship from the track record entrepreneurs, infrastructure and support from Project 10K and their responsibility. We're paying them to do this. You're getting a stipend to go through this experience is to go from idea to what we call product market fit, which we define as $10,000 of monthly recurring revenue. Once they achieve it, we give them a full-time offer and equity in the company. We'll do a raise. We'll raise at least a few million dollars for each of those individual companies. And then we'll bring on some more mature talent to support them and together take each of these companies on a journey to build, scale, and eventually have an exit as well. We surveyed that room. And these are big thinkers, but they're also very practical. They've had a lot of success, but they're they're not they're not like all over the place. Like they're they're really grounded and they know what's what's realistic in the space of tech. And we said, what do you think this portfolio is worth? We had everybody write down on a piece of paper what they thought it was going to be worth over the next three years. And then as a byproduct of that, we did the math. And we said, okay, based on the amount of equity that each of you have sitting in this room, these 48 hours are worth almost $4 million to you with no runaway successes, no unicorn, just modest success in the space of early stage tech. And that really got everybody's attention. They're already successful. Think about the impact this causes job opportunities, the greatest opportunity for young people to really experience entrepreneurship, the elimination of inefficiency, and a ton of economic impact as well. All right, take a breath. We're going to take a break. So this is Tom Chenault. This is Jared Yellen, who is a whirling dervish, who's going to explain to you in the next segment, which is quite long, how you get to play a part in this unbelievable idea. And we are coming back right after this on the Legacy Leadership Show. 
Hi, boss. I didn't have time to say radio. <laughs> oh, my God. Denise Dunlap is here. Good news. During the breaks. This is radio breaks, so I can actually talk about Paul Van Dieven and all of you people listening. And it's not going to hit the radio show, but it's obviously here on the Internet. And we just want to thank you, Frank Lopez, for always supporting us and staying with us because we need you. Coming back right now. And we're back. It is Tom Chenault. It is Jared Yellen. It is Project10k.com. And it is my son, Adrian, who understands this space and why it's such an important project. The absolute backbone of American democracy is the small, small business turning into big businesses. And what's happened over the years is the cost of entry is so high that most people just say, you know, I'm going to take a status quo job. I'm not going to go put myself at risk like that. I don't have the connections. I don't have the power. I don't have the different people that it's necessary to make something big work. And Jared saw that and he had those connections. And what he's put together here is magnificent. What do you think about it? I, I think it's super interesting. And one of the things that I think is the most interesting is when you want to see these companies compared to when an accelerator out there like a Y Combinator or a Techstars or what, you know, there's a bunch of those out there or when a venture capitalist or when a seed investor or an angel investor, what you guys are doing is really different from that. And I think it's really, really interesting. So talk about when you want to see these companies and then what happens from there once you do. So I realize there's, there's no home for people's ideas. Like think about it, any of you watching this live, listening live, when you have an idea, especially if it's a tech idea for an app or a software as a service or a marketplace or a social media platform, what do you do with it? Like you probably call a friend and you're like, hey, what do you think of this idea? And they're like, oh, it's a great idea. And like, it just dies. Like, like where do you go with your idea? Who do you share it with? Like Adrian was saying, your idea is too early for venture capital. Like there's no venture capitalist investing at the napkin stage. It just doesn't happen. There's no angel investor that is going to give you $25,000 at the napkin stage because they know it's not going anywhere other than it's going to get burned and lost because it's just not enough capital. There's no incubator or accelerator program that can help you when you have an idea because that's just not what they do. Like they're going to support you once your idea is making money and you have a tech team and you can then go out and raise some more capital and leverage their, their, their network to actually get the capital. And if you have an idea and you go to a software development firm, they're going to run the other way because what they see is a visionary with a very small budget. So what that represents to them is a lawsuit with accounts receivables. So I started to see all these people that have these great ideas, these ideas for apps or SaaS or marketplaces or social media platforms, and they had nowhere to go with it. And I already have a track record building and scaling a pretty successful B2B SaaS platform, which is how I met Tom. And uh, I thought to myself, well, if I can do it once, why not do it 10,000 more times? And that became my fanatical focus. I had this calling moment. The calling was, why don't you do what you just did, but do it 10,000 more times over the next 10 years, which led to the birth of Project 10K. And Project 10K is a tech ecosystem that co-founds entrepreneurs that are at the napkin stage, the concept phase. Because everything that exists today, it had to start there. Like you can't bypass the step called idea. And we invite these entrepreneurs from literally around the world to come through our process and if they make it to the other side, we end up co-founding a company with them. And then we deploy our human infrastructure, 
product managers, engineers, copywriters, graphic designers, sales team, customer support, business development, press, investor relations, et cetera, in order to quickly build these ideas into companies that can onboard users and generate cash flow so we can then validate there's a place in the market. Once validated, start to fundraise and scale and then exit as well. That is wild. And so this is a huge thing, right? Because I, I, I was that guy. I should have brought it. My my napkin was was actually an email, but I literally God's phone booth, aka the shower, got out of the shower, went holy smokes, and wrote this email to my dad on Christmas Eve, saying this is like this is it. This is what we need to do. And I had I, I am a pretty educated guy. I was working in the tech space. I'm not a coder, but I had a I had access to a lot of resources. And also I had no freaking idea what I was doing. And I didn't even really fully grasp how much to the tune. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And I was on third base compared to so many out there in the world who have incredible ideas and who just, you know, there's such a long road in front of you. And so to create this track to run on and this partnership and this this opportunity is it's something really cool, and I'm, I'm I'm cheering this thing on in a huge way because I see the value of it. And one of the other reasons why I see the value of it so much is is because I think that your set of values and your view of you talked about this ten thousand dollars in in monthly revenue that is your definition of this product market fit. When when you have something that the market has said this is we value this is this ten thousand dollar number. And you talked about that connections and relationships are not just a really important part, that they are the foundational piece of what it takes to get from an idea to the place where you're hitting that $10,000 marker. Is that right, Jared? It's all relationships, 100% of it. Because what, what so many early stage entrepreneurs think is they need to be doing what later stage entrepreneurs are doing, which is throwing six figures every month at running Facebook ads. And realize like you're competing against that, even if your offer has nothing to do with that, because there's only so much real estate on social media platforms. So you're competing against the Grand Cardones of the world that'll drop seven figures a month to fill their events. You're competing over that person's attention because there's only so many things that are going to show up in their newsfeed. And when you're early stage, you can't compete. And even if you can, even if you have a ton of resources behind you, you shouldn't compete because you're just burning money because you don't have enough data to know what's going to work. It's sales versus marketing. You got to sell. You got to do relationship capital exercises. You got to scroll through your phone. You got to scroll through your social media contacts. You got to start thinking about people that might know people that are perfect for you to speak with. You got to start doing research. Take out the handy dandy Google and start doing research and think about who has access to my end user. Who is the keys to the kingdom I want to get into and find a creative way to get that person's attention to produce a win-win outcome from zero to a hundred K of monthly recurring revenue should 100% focus on relationship capital. Once you have a hundred K a month, you'll have enough website traffic at that point to then start doing very targeted ads and actually retargeting people that have come to your website that haven't bought yet. But until you get to a hundred K a month, you're just burning cash and you don't want to burn cash early stage. You want to keep as much cash accessible to do other high producing, high leverage activities with relationships, people you know, like, and trust. I know we're on Facebook, but I can't imagine anyone knows, likes, or trusts Mark Zuckerberg right now. So you don't want to spend money with that dude. Like you want to spend money with the people that you really believe in. 
So it, it's so true. And so talk about like, give, give me the one minute version of the, the speech that you give this room full of entrepreneurs that think it's, you know, they think they've got the idea. They think they've got the thing that's going to take them there. And you're going to give them that wake up call that says, hold on, your job is to go out there and do this. What's that speech? So this, the speech is, is this, anyone that's ever made it in, in tech or entrepreneurship, they went public, they had their big exit. When they're interviewed and they're asked, how did we get there? Not one of them will ever say, because we ran a ton of business through Facebook. Like that's just not what they say. They talk about the relationships they had that created an unfair advantage, which ultimately created acceleration. Every success has been based on that. They knew someone that knew someone that as a byproduct gave them a shot and all of a sudden they had their first user and that first user led to the next thousand users, the next thousand users, led to the next 10,000 users. Every business, that's how they grow. But for some reason, there's so many shiny objects that exist in the space of marketing today that people think they can just throw cash at the problem. You can't. You have to leverage relationship capital. So with us, they know this coming in. This is what it looks like. And we play our part in it because we happen to have a ton of relationship capital. So when we say yes to an entrepreneur, we know we have the unfair advantages for that entrepreneur to hit 10K a month. So we can then fundraise and start to really scale. I, it's so cool. And I, I love the creativity that you guys are bringing to that table too. You, any, anybody in your, in your network come to mind of somebody who has just shown themselves to be super scrappy in going out there and, and generating some really amazing connections and conversations as they've gone about doing this? Yeah. So one of our companies is called Blueprinted, B-L-O-O-P-R-I-N-T-E-D. And uh, the co-founder is Mike Searock. And I mean, the, the ultimate of scrappy. So we did $100,000 in business in the first week before one line of code was written because we wanted to validate that what we were going to build actually made sense in the market. So that was all relationship capital. It was casting a vision to people. And this was non-dilutive capital. It was revenue. So it was casting a vision to people of what this platform would ultimately do and asking them to be a founding member and did $100,000 before one line of code was written. And then we started writing code because we realized we were onto something. Since then, this company has generated multiple six figures with zero dollars of ad spend, leveraging platforms like Clubhouse, podcasts, uh, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through LinkedIn, scrolling through his phone, scrolling through my phone, and setting up one-on-one -on -one intro conversations where we collect data from whoever we're speaking with. And that looks like finding out their past, their present, and then their future. So what are they most proud of? What are they most excited about? And what's their vision for the future? Once we know that, then Mike Searock shares the story that led him to this very moment. He states the problem and shows the solution in a demo. And then on the spot, we invite them to sign up, which usually they do. And if they're someone of influence, we invite them to schedule a one-to-many demo so they can then participate in the upside of what this can offer their community. And it's the same strategy over and over and over again. It is the only thing I did to build Synduit from an idea to tens of thousands of paying users. I've never spent $1 running an ad on Facebook because once again, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, but I do like people. And when I find people I like, I'd rather pay them as a byproduct of what we can co-create together. It's just the strategy. And this is the only thing anyone should do until they achieve $100,000 a monthly recurring revenue. And once you get there, you're gonna realize it's way more fun to leverage relationships than to pay for sales. And that's why this is the strategy. It's why I believe in contact mapping. It is the way for anyone. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care if you're a chiropractor running a brick and mortar business, an early stage tech founder, a lawyer, a financial advisor. The key to your success is relationship capital. 
And then you go spend that, then you scale up and you're doing a hundred grand a month and you're buying all those ads. And then that dumb, oh, I almost cussed. <laughs> then they forget the relationship capital that got them there. Then they take a giant step backwards, remember who their friends are, and then go out there and make it bigger because they realize it takes both, right? It takes both. And, and the key is even at that point, what, what I have found, Cindy was way past that point, is we had so much momentum leveraging relationships. It didn't make any sense to start running ads still. Like it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like the relationships were performing. The good thing about relationship capital is you're paying based on performance. So I don't have to put money out hoping that I get anything in return. I'm going to first get the money in and pay a percentage out to the relationships that we established. And then we form win-win outcomes. And many of the win-win outcomes I produced at Synduit are now investors in Project 10K. Many of them are co-founders of companies with us. Like, I don't care how much money I spent on Facebook, that wasn't going to happen. Like that outcome, like there's, there's no like ripple effect to it. There's a ripple effect when you can do right by somebody. So we're going to take another break. And afterward, we're going to talk about Indiana University. We're going to talk about a conversation that he had with Adrian and I about somebody he wanted connection with. And we're not going to say the name because we don't want to cause a problem. But this guy was unreachable. And it took me, what, five seconds to get a response back? Because I'm telling you what, your Rolodex has so much power and you're not using it. And I'm telling you what, it's your power. No one else's. Use it, please. We're coming back right now. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This show has gone by fast. Who's here? Heather, Heather's here. Tony Breland. We love her. Victor, my buddy. Mark Cohen, friend, movie star. Kevin Gardner. Artist, motorcycle rider, unbelievable guy, tile guy down in Denver, Colorado. I mean, I just love you people because that's all Adrian and I have are the people. Paul, uh, I got your heartfelt message. I love you, buddy. And uh, can't wait to see you at the contact mapping convention in a week. And you need to talk about that. All right. All right. We're back. I hope that was not a person that just hit the ground very hard upstairs. I hope it was a chair. And <laughs> we are with Jared Yellen from Project 10K. Go check out project10k.com. And before we jump back into this final segment, if you especially are anywhere near the state of Colorado, let's just no. draw like a 500-mile radius no. around. All right. Where? Anywhere in the United anywhere States. Are Earth. you nuts? We got a woman <laughs> coming from Sweden. We sure do. We have Contact Mapping Connect, our first ever flagship in-person conference happening here in Colorado on October 22nd. Richard Blissbrook, Jordan Adler, J.W. Wilson from the Learning Code Institute, Tracy Savadogo from an unbelievable TED Talk are all going to be here Sean? speaking. Sean Murphy is going to be the MC. We're going to have an incredible Tom time. Tom Chenault, we might, we're going to give him a small segment and a lot of bathtub photos and it's going to be awesome. So here we go. And uh, let's get into the final segment over to you. All right, man. Okay. Let's talk about <coughs> your tight connection at Indiana university. Is that what you were going to allude to? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and talk about that. It's all connection, especially at the beginning. You got nothing else. You don't have cash flow. You don't have sales. You don't have anything. You just got the fact that you have got the BLTSs with somebody. What are the BLTSs? That means they know they belong in your tribe. They know you love them. They know that they are, that they can trust you and they know that they're safe with you. That's it. When you've got those four things, people will do anything for you. And if you want to look to see where it is breaking down, it's one of those four. And if all four aren't present, they're just going to phone it in and maybe sign up. 
all four present. They'll do anything with you. And that's what Jared has created, starting with his buddy in college. Talk about that a little bit. So um, I'm not sure exactly which story, but I'll tell you the story that for me stands out the most about being at Indiana University is I realized that I was once again not a student. I wasn't going to learn in a classroom. And I really felt that going to classroom was a big waste of my time because I had all these aspirations for being an entrepreneur. So I realized I was a natural bodybuilder in college and I got a lot of attention for that. And I had an incredible discipline with my nutrition. And professors would ask me every day, what can I do to get healthier, lose weight, look like you? And I'd give them free advice. And I realized they're never going to take my free advice. So I have an idea. This is how I'm going to hack education. I'm going to train them for a fee. Like they're going to pay me. If they don't pay me, they're not going to take it seriously. And in addition to that, they're either just going to pass me or tell me what I need to know to pass the exam. And I never took one final exam in college because they just knew that I was going to do something interesting in this world. They knew the classroom wasn't where I was going to do it. But what I got to know with these professors that are really, really deep level. And uh, it's made a huge difference for me. Some of those people have invested in the project. They're introducing people to the project. Uh, we're starting to work with um, the Kelly School of Business to do something similar with them that we did with Babson. So a lot of interesting things came from that. But I don't know what exact story other than that one, because the one that stands out the most for me. Yeah, Let me give you a clue. Shark Tank. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they used to, they used to call me Mini Cuban. Um, for that reason, Mini Cuban. That's what he did, right? Like he kind of hacked his way through education as well. And Mark Cuban went to Indiana University. So they used to call me Mini Cuban, but they said you're going to be way more successful because you're more disciplined than he was. And I don't know what that meant because I wasn't on campus when he was on campus. But I think it meant he partied a lot and he didn't look the way that I look from a, a physical perspective. So <laughs> I, I, I don't let that down ever. And I dig at Mark all the time about this. Um, and as a byproduct of his attention, he's a very competitive dude. And I tell him they call me Mini Cuban, but way more muscular and i'm going to be way bigger than you too bro which means you got to get part of this project but i have a ton of respect for what he's done and uh that's really what this is about one thing that i realized with project 10k is this is absolutely bigger than me adrian said this before so it's not about me it's about us bringing together like-minded people that are committed to disrupting entrepreneurship i started by saying that when i was when i was when i was in third grade i, I disrupted the bathroom because i used that as my opportunity to sell newspapers and then i disrupted goal by taking the program and dragging it into the trash can because it was that boring and there's a lot of other things that I've disrupted. But to me, the thing that I will go down as is the most significant impact besides for being a father to my kids and a husband to my wife is disrupting entrepreneurship because this industry that we love has hurt more people than it helps. Because when you have a one to 2% success rate, that means you have a 98 to 99% failure rate. And that means people have lost money, they've lost time, emotionally they're drained. Like there's just so many things that have transpired. But I get why people fail because when they wanna pursue their big idea, what happens is they get on the boat and the boat takes them to this island and it drops them off and it says, go figure out everything by yourself. So the likelihood of them figuring out everything by themselves is one to 2%, which is the reason why the success rate is so low. But what we've done at Project 10K is we've built an ecosystem, just a better way to do entrepreneurship. Because what we do, because in any ecosystem, we share. So whenever we have companies that have the same end users, they're collaborating. Relevant investors collaborating. Relevant strategic alliances collaborating. What works, what doesn't work. It's a shared environment that allows us to increase the success rate because no one's doing anything for the first time. Either we've been there or other companies in the portfolio have been there, but they're not doing it for the first time. So it's just more predictable. doesn't make it easy, but it definitely doesn't make it impossible because right now I would say entrepreneurship is impossible if the success rate is one to 2%, but it won't be 
when it's all said and done with Project 10K. And people can invest in this. Everybody, I don't care if you've got a pile of wheelbarrow money or a little bit, they can all, you've only got like 40 seconds. So tell us what they should do. If they've got an interest in this thing, you, you know, you're just really buying Michael Jordan in kindergarten. So whatever <laughs> you want to do is go take a look at what he's doing and uh, see if it fits, man. It might be something you throw a couple bucks at. It's better than. Yeah, uh, we invite you go to wefunder.com forward slash project 10 K. Um, we got approved through a regulation CF first time ever a company like ours was able to get approved. It took us about 18 months to get approved. What this allows us to do is have both accredited and non-accredited investors invest in this project. That's really exciting because the project already has well over a hundred companies in the portfolio and we'll have thousands in the years to come. So wefunder.com forward slash project. Project 10K. Do not, do not leave. We are leaving the radio right now. We'll see you next week with Cody Bateman from Send Out Cards. It's going to be unbelievable. Now called Promptings. We'll be back next week. All right, we're off the radio and we're still dancing. Now you can cuss. So hello, <laughs> hello, hello, Pat French, Dracy from. Australia. We got to get her on this show. I know. She's got she a book a now. That's She's wrote awesome. this unbelievable book. But, uh, oh man, you killed it. Thank you so much, Jared. I and I know that was completely not where you thought this show was going to go. And it was so funny watching you rocking on your heels, trying to figure out how <laughs> you remembered all that stuff. You, like, your memory is unbelievable. You are an unbelievably cool guy. And, uh, well, another thing, people are commenting. I've got like three messages. Are you on one of those great big balls where you're bouncing back and forth and people, I mean, you you should see yourself on camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are having I a good time. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You guys rock, really. Just honored to, to lock arms with you. We're going to create a lot of impact together. Yeah, love well. It. Love it. You know, as an, as an entrepreneur, you know, you want to be able to take a little bit of a shot at something. And, you know, he's got an idea that might just fit for you. And, you know, just get in there and take a look. And some people are investing wheelbarrows full of money and some people are not investing much at all. And that's another thing beautiful with this WeFunder crowdfunding process is it lets everybody in instead of just the rich guys. So pretty doggone cool. And we love you. And uh, whatever we can do to help you out, we want in. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, we're just getting warmed up. Excited to lock arms with you with contact mapping and this is the beginning of the beginning. And the best the beginning of the beginning. All right. You be good. Thanks a million, Jared. Right. See you Thanks later. Be well. Have a nice night. Thanks again. Vinny Chanel, we love you too. And that dog.